0: want to go to church would you stand and sing with us
1: something important for you to know and it is the story that you are in and we're all telling ourselves that we're in a certain story and what we find today is that we're in a story that is a bit tragic well it's very tragic actually but the ending is not tragic and the way through is a life that uh, has a lot of ups and downs Um, sometimes more downs than ups but the story is this Eden has been lost, but we have a God who's bringing us back in. And as soon as we're back in, here's the story you're in, as soon as you're back into Eden, he sends you right back out to build Eden and expand upon what you experienced as you were brought into Eden. In other words, we're trying to get to the presence of God, and as we get to the presence of God, Eden has been deposited spiritually in us, and then by spiritual Eden being in us and in enough people around us, actually we begin to produce glimmers of Eden on the earth. It's a beautiful picture. That's the story that the Christian is in. So let's enter that story. Let's see ourselves in that story. And let's do the work that is required of us in that story. All right. So let me read to you. This is from Psalm 103. This is our call to worship God. And, and by the way, so, so this is a, something I want you to see about this psalm. It's about experiencing the presence of God in our innermost being. and It's something spiritual, it's something that's not material, and it's it's an important place to be if you are going to get into Eden, if you're going to venture further in. So let me read it. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my innermost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father, we pray that in our soul, you would take hold of us and you would lead us to venture further into Eden, further into the innermost parts where we might experience you like we have not yet. And let what is true of us now spiritually that we have found and discovered in Eden, let us take that out into the world so that we might build a society of love and wisdom so we might see Eden come a little bit more than it is right now. God, let us take on this good work. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. as we're coming to you and your word. Pray that you would open our eyes to see truth. Pray that you would open our ears to hear of the wonder and beauty of you being the wrestling shepherd of Eden who's come for us. God, we need you. We need you more than we know. God, we're like, we're walking through life and we have no idea the things that we are doing and how much we're ignoring you. So we pray right now, God, that you would just chase us down and you'd wrestle us to the ground and you'd show us how wonderful and great that you are. God, don't let us leave this place without taking us down so we might see you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I've got a little problem right now, is that I forgot to spit my gum out, and I don't really know what to do about it, so I think it'd probably be inappropriate for me to take it out right now, so I'm just going to get through this with my gum in my mouth. We'll see how it goes. But if at some point, I mean, maybe I'll swallow it, that would be really weird, so we'll see what happens, though. All right, so we're coming close to the end of our series in the book of Genesis called New Beginnings, and... Uh, Man, I'm gonna miss the series. So we got three more weeks today and then two more weeks and I'm really gonna miss it And I'm gonna be honest with you I almost want to go back and start all over again because I'm realizing there's so much along the way that I've discovered And it keeps on pointing us back and I just keep on wanting to go back and I want to do it so badly but we're not gonna do it, but I really want to do it and Today we're moving forward. But as we move forward we go back to a character that we've already seen and it's jacob and the reason we're going back to him is because in genesis 48 something incredibly important happens for jacob in fact when you look in the book of hebrews so all this stuff has happened in jacob's life he's seen angels ascend and descend from heaven on this stairway he's wrestled with god but yet when the book in the book of hebrews it points the attention to Jacob in his great act of faith in what he does here today. And I almost skipped over this because I didn't realize how important it was, but we're going to look at it. So, we're coming to the end, and we come to a very important event, though it looks pretty boring, and the event is the end of his life. And it's an event that's important for everybody. And at the end of his life, he sits down with his long-lost son, Joseph, And he gives them essentially his last words. And he gives them a blessing. And he's giving his grandkids, Joseph's kids, a blessing. And he does it with complete intentionality. His words are focused. And they're picked carefully. And he does it with seriousness. And there's a lot, because here's the deal. There's a lot riding on what happens next. The responsibility has been given to Jacob to bring all of humanity back to Eden. No big deal. And now that responsibility is falling on all 12 of his sons and his grandkids, specifically two of his grandkids that we're going to see today. And here's what he tells them. This is the most important thing you need to know And he begins to describe someone. The wrestling shepherd of Eden. So what I want you to do today, right now, I want you to just picture yourself. You, you're walking up to this like little stream, maybe a little bit. It's a, it's a small river, and you got to pass over it. And at the other side of this river is your greatest fear, your greatest mistake, your greatest like, man, I wish that didn't happen, or your greatest like, I do not want to face this. But you've got to face it. You've got to cross the river. And so you're about to cross this river. And go face the thing that you really don't want to face and you finally built up enough courage to do it and just before you take that step you hear something behind you and someone tackles you to the ground and they wrestle you to the ground and they're not letting you go and so you start fighting back and you're doing okay but at some point you get tied up but you keep the wrestling going but he literally like ties you up like with a rope you're stuck but you keep wrestling but then you continue to wrestle and as you continue to wrestle you come to the realization that this guy who's wrestling you isn't actually trying to harm you but actually he's trying to save you from harm it's not that he's trying to stop you from going to face your fear on the other side that's good the thing is he wants to go with you and if you go without him it's going to mess your life up completely and you will never find what you're chasing after And that's why today is so important. And it's essential that you wrestle today with this wrestling shepherd of Eden. And it's essential, some of you already have, and some of you are in the midst of wrestling with this shepherd right now, and some of you will one day, but you have to do it. If you want to get the greatest desire, the greatest thing that you long for, you've got to wrestle him. And if you do, you will live into the greatest purpose the purpose that you've been created for. And to some degree, none of us really stop wrestling him until we get back to Eden. But I don't want to give too much away. So let me be careful there. So let me read our verses. Before I read our verses, I got to give you the backstory. So back in Eden, there was paradise. But then paradise was lost. Things were good. Now, I want want to be very clear with this. Things were good. They were pulsating with potential, but things were not perfect. There's a common misconception that everything in Eden was perfect, but perfect means it's been completed. It's been brought to its end. It's been brought to its telos, its goal, but it has not in Eden. So Adam and Eve are there, and they are pulsating with potential. And the thing that they've got to do is pass right by this tree of death, you could call it, to the tree of life. But then after that, here's their calling. Here's their great goal. Here's the purpose that God's like, okay, here's why you're here. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and have dominion, which essentially means have a bunch of babies and then go and bring Eden out to cover the entire earth. That was the original goal of humanity. And it was good, but it wasn't perfect because it had to do that thing. It had to go take Eden to cover the entire earth. And so humanity is given this humongous purpose and goal. And it says have dominion, which means that humanity was like kings and queens. But here's what happened. Like these divine kings and queens, and they're passing, and they get right up to that tree of death, and they just got to walk right past it, but they can't. The fruit looks too tasty, it looks too good, and they are lured in with this idea that they will be kings and queens. Now, that's so crazy because they already are kings and queens. So what's happened? They've been tricked because here's what they wanted. They they were kings and queens, but they didn't want to be ruled by the king of kings and the lord of lords. They wanted out from under his rule, and by trying to get out from under his rule, they lost their crown. That's the irony of the story. They were already made in the image of God. They already were called to have dominion. So they lost their crown. They lost their royal robes. And, well, the greater tragedy is they lost Eden. But it felt like a death. I mean, in Eden, all things were good. And they're cast out, and it feels like a death compared to what life was like in Eden. But then, even more than that, now humanity and the earth is plummeting into this abyss of hell. And they feel like there's nothing that they can do about it. Expelled from Eden. And so they're looking for a way back, but they're unable to find it. But the story doesn't end there. God will not allow the story to end that way. And so he, he begins, God begins his rescue effort, where he is going to chase down a few people and those few people are going to be the key to bringing all of the earth back into Eden. So eventually, this responsibility falls on Jacob. It's a huge responsibility, and it's time for him to pass it down to his kids. And so this is given to him. Now, Now, I want you to see something about Jacob. His name at some point is changed to Israel, which means wrestles with God. Now, watch this. All of humanity, all, all, no, sorry, all of God's people, do you know what God calls them? He gives them the name Israel. Do you know what that means? God has every expectation that you are going to be wrestling with him. He's called you that. That is now your name. Your name is literally wrestles with God. In other words, even the most devout followers of God have the propensity to wrestle him. Until they get back to Eden. So our story today, Jacob's at the end of his life and he's talking to his long-lost son. And again, I almost skipped over this part, and I'm so glad that I didn't, and so here's where we go. He's about to tell... T- t- he's a, these are essentially his, almost his last words. They're important words. They're the words that he's giving to his kids after they're about to go do the thing that's so important for them to do, the thing that they're created for. Here's what he says. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz, In the land of Canaan. So, this is where the wrestling happened. So, he's looking back at his life. So, this is where he wrestled with God. And God blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. This is the original calling of Adam and Eve be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And I will make you of you a company of peoples and will give you this land to your offspring after you as an everlasting possession. These are rumors of Eden. And then, so, skipping forward. Joseph's got his two boys on his knees, and he's about to hand them over to Jacob for Jacob to bless them. So Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand towards Israel's right hand, and brought them near to him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph, and he said, now here we go, here we go. And God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walk, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his laid, laid his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim it displeased him and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head and Joseph said to his father not this way my father since this is the firstborn put your right hand on his head but his father refused and said I know my son I know he shall he also shall become a people and he also shall be great nevertheless the younger brother shall be greater than he and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. All right. Jacob is reminding his long-lost son Joseph of the reason that God has chosen them and that God has chosen them, brought them to be the ones, the special people who would bring all of humanity back to Eden, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and be these divine kings and queens who lead all of humanity back into the back into Eden. That's what Jacob was talking about in verse 3 and 4 and verse 16. So in the beginning, look, look at this. In the beginning, humanity had one giant goal, to spread Eden over all the earth. Now, humanity has two giant goals. First, we got to get back to Eden. Second, once we're back in Eden, then we take Eden and bring it out into the earth. Now, these words that are spoken to Jacob are meant to be spoken to you today. And it's fascinating. This is what blows my mind. So many Christians don't feel like they have a purpose and a calling in their life. They feel like they don't know what to do with their life. And it's, it's amazing because it's right here. You have two main goals as a Christian. Get back to Eden and bring people there. And then take Eden out into the world. And, and this is an amazing discovery for you. If you didn't know that today, it's an amazing discovery because it's going to flood purpose into your life. And if you, don't feel, like if you feel like your life is being wasted, well, it's right here. It doesn't have to be. Just take, just become who you're meant to be. Take on the calling. It's right here. This is your end. This is your telos, your goal. This is the mark that you should be trying to hit. You wake up in the morning, what's the mark you try to hit? Well, i got to venture further into Eden And then I got to take Eden and bring it out into the world. It's an incredibly important, it's incredibly important goal because here's why. The world around us is uh, descending into an abyss of hell and God has called us to do something about it. Now you say, well, wait, isn't God supposed to be the one that does that? Well, yes, but also God calls us to do it you read through the Bible and you see at times God's like, I got this, I'm doing it. And other times God says, here's the mantle, go and bring my kingdom into the earth. The time's yours. So let me just explain this. So so right now, Eden comes primarily spiritually, okay? So it's a spiritual state that we are in. Now, the key to a greater spiritual concentration of Eden on the earth is by all of us together going to venture further into Eden by discovering God, knowing him more. And as we do this, all of us collectively are experiencing a spiritual state where we are venturing further into Eden. And guess what that does? That creates a society of people, a group of people, who seek to bring Eden upon the earth by creating the society of love and of wisdom and of justice, and of good because we've experienced, we have ventured in deeper and deeper into Eden. So this is about experiencing the presence of God. And it's a voyage to God. So we take Abraham, go back to Jacob's grandfather. Abraham is called to go out into the unknown, go find the promised land, Eden. But, but here's the thing, he was always meant to primarily discover God along the way. That's why he left. That's why he went out. He had to be out in the unknown. He had to, become a, he had to be in a place where he was desperate, where he did feel alone, where, where he almost felt hopeless, and it was there that he kept discovering God more and more and more. You know, we try to create this comfortable little environment for us, and we think that's where we're going to experience God, but it's not. It's when we go out, and we're out of, things are out of control, and we have no choice but then to cling to God, and those are the times when you discover Him most. So, we got to experience God. That's what the, the psalm that I read earlier. We, t- In my innermost being, God, I want to experience you. So my guess is that all of you are not experiencing God the way you want to. And some of you potentially have never experienced God at all. So how do we experience God? Or why aren't you experiencing God? Now, I've been thinking about this quite a bit lately, and I think, One of the real problems that you have of why you and all of our society is not experiencing God is because we're really busy. And we're so busy that by being this busy, our souls do not have time to do what the soul does. I mean, our soul is not speaking to our mind and our heart. So our soul, in a way, is suppressed because it's not giving a chance to just come alive and do what it's meant to do. So if you want to experience God more, you want to venture further into Eden, you've just got to rest a bit. So if you look in the Old Testament, there are two, we have one word and it's rest. But in the Old Testament, there are two words for rest. The f- one word is about just like kicking off your shoes, sitting on the couch and just relaxing a bit. And some of you have not done that in a very long time. And the second word is about the deep rest of the soul. Now, here's what the Bible's telling you. If you want to get to the deep rest of the soul, you just got to rest your body first. You got to give your, yourself a chance to just like be at ease, just chill out a bit. And it's then that your soul starts activating and starts teaching your mind and your heart how to think and feel. It's fascinating. So th- if you want to experience God more you have to venture further into Eden, and if you're gonna venture further into Eden, you just gotta rest. This is what today is about. Today's called the Sabbath, and it's about rest. It's about setting aside a time where you are resting so that you can get the deeper rest of the soul. The degree, here's the thing, the degree that you're connected to God is the degree that you can go bring Eden out into the world. What the world needs most from you is to rest. The world keeps screaming at you, work harder, work harder, work harder. And what, what the kingdom of God is saying is, if you will just rest, you will be, do so much good in the world. So, you gotta venture further in Eden. Sabbath is so important for you. And it makes sense. I mean, well, I'm skipping that. Here's the problem though. Here's the greater problem. So you venture, you you know, you start resting, and you take your day, and you're just sitting there, and you're like, okay, let me venture into Eden. And you find something. You start trying to venture into Eden, and it's it's a really dreadful realization. You can't get to Eden. You can't get there. So you start resting. You start doing the thing that the Bible's telling you to do to rest a bit, and you realize that you cannot get to Eden, and that's terrifying because your job is to save this world from the abyss that it is falling into. So, how do we get there? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Jacob did not meet God by looking for him. He did not find God under a rock, and he did not find God underneath some truth. What he found when he found God was when God wrestled him to the ground. And you see, there it is. You're never going to find Eden. The story of the Bible is not some success story of humanity going for this search, this voyage to go find Eden and succeeding. The story of the Bible is humanity searching for Eden, unable to find it. And so the God of Eden comes and wrestles us to the ground and shows us where Eden is or brings us there. How do we know that? How do we know that that's what God has done? Because God is a shepherd. And this theme now permeates all the way through this entire story so in our story jacob calls god a shepherd do you know this is the first time that god is referred to as a shepherd in the entire bible and it starts here and it does not stop talking about how god is a shepherd so do you want to know what happens when a sheep runs away from the shepherd the sheep gets lost and the sheep cannot find its way back and not only can it 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 not find its way back but it has no intention of getting back home. In fact, it doesn't want to get back home. So there's, a, there's a, a shepherd who became a pastor, and he talked about what it was like for a sheep to be found. And here's what he said. The sheep hates it. Sheep does not want to be found. The sheep just wants to keep running. And so a good shepherd will chase the sheep down, tie it up, throw it over its shoulder, his shoulders, and carry that sheep back to his home. Now, Jacob is a shepherd. That was his job. So Jacob has its very powerful imagery because he knows very much so what it is like, what it looks like for a sheep to be wrestled to the ground. And it looks exactly like he experienced with God when God wrestled him to the ground. And that is why he called God a shepherd, because God comes and he wrestles him to the ground. And and do you know when it happens to him? Do you know when God wrestles him to the ground? So Jacob is about to face his biggest fear. He's about to face his older brother. And, he, and in the past, he stole his older brother's birthright, so his older brother tried to chase him down to kill him. So he's basically kicked out of his house, and he goes, and he leaves. And Jacob has to face him, because Jacob, on the other side of this, so he's at this river, we talked about this river earlier, and he has to cross over this river, and then that, on the other side of the river is where Canaan is. That's the promised land. That's where Eden, that's what Eden represents. But before he gets there, he's got to face his brother. He's got to face his biggest fear. He's got to face his biggest foe. And watch this. Before he goes, he sends all of his livestock, all of his family, his wives, his children, they all go, and he's sitting there alone, by himself, a theme of Joseph's, or Jacob's life, and he's alone. He's working up the courage to do the thing that he doesn't want to do, but he's emptied. He's emptied of everything. And the river, do you know what the river's called that he's about to cross? It's called, in Hebrew, it means emptied. I mean, this text is screaming at us that Jacob has nothing. And it's then that he's been emptied, that he's about to face alone his greatest foe. And before he crosses over, he hears something behind him. And someone runs, tackles him to the ground, and starts wrestling him. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking. It's got to be this weird experience. He can't figure out who it is or what it is, and it's wrestling him to the ground. And then at some point, it turns out it's God, at some point God touches his hip socket and it comes out of place. Now think about this. I didn't see this before. Jacob will never be able to walk the same again. God has just tied him up like a shepherd. And he's throwing him over his shoulder. He's making it known that he's a lost sheep. He was never going to get to Eden unless, unless God Now, here, here's the thing. God did not want Jacob to go face his greatest fear alone. And he knew like Jacob, like a sheep, would continue to run. And so he puts his hip out of his socket, he ties him up, and then God, it's God with him who is carrying him across this river to go face his greatest fear not alone, but with God. Listen to this, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does Eden represent? Your greatest desire, your greatest goal, your greatest telos, the thing that you're trying to get to, your greatest want. What does it say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, if you're not wanting, then that means everything that you've wanted has been given to you. It's the shepherd who does that. He's the one who carries you into Eden. He's the one who gives you the greatest desires of your heart. And then, look, he makes you lie down to rest and restores your soul. That's the Sabbath. That's today. That's you just chilling out and taking a rest a bit. And then it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your shepherd is with you. You guys have so many. I mean, we all, we have so many fears. And you know what you're not even thinking about? I'm going to even make you even more fearful if you're a fearful type person. You're not thinking about death. That's your greatest foe. But look what it says. I will fear no evil, even though I pass, even though I walk through, not through death, but through the valley of the shadow of death. Passing through a shadow is nothing to fear at all. So you have nothing to fear. You have have something raging deep in your soul, and it's a longing for Eden, and you will never get there without the shepherd. You will continue to be lost. So here's what we do, though. I mean, this is what humanity does. It's what Jacob did. You look for Eden under every rock, under every rock of success, under, under every rock of love, under every rock of this comfortable little life, hoping that it will give you the green, green pastures in the still waters, but it will never deliver you, deliver for you. It's always a phony Eden. So look what happened to Jacob. He was emptied of everything. And like Jacob, you have to be emptied. You have to realize. You can't get to Eden. And you got to look at your life and you got to realize that you are desperately chasing Eden here in this world and it's not going to deliver for you. you got to open your eyes to what you're doing. You're doing it every single day. I'm doing it. We're all doing it. And what we have to do is we have to be drained of all hope, of thinking that we're going to find Eden here. And as soon as that happens... As soon as you're emptied of all power, and you become like you feel homeless and hopeless, that's when the shepherd comes and tackles you from behind, ties you up, and carries you into Eden. Because you finally realize you can't cross over. That's what Jacob had to realize. But he takes you up to the gates of Eden, and there becomes another problem. You can't get in. All of your hopes are right there before you. The gate's ready to open up, but you can't get in. There's a payment that must be paid, and the payment is beyond you. The debt's too high. But then the gatekeeper says, oh, wait, 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 wait. Somebody paid for you. Now look at verse 16. It says, the angel, that is Jesus pre-incarnate, as the shepherd has redeemed Jacob from all evil. Now this word redeemed in Hebrew, it has to do with you having a rich family member. And you're poor, you have debt actually, not just poor, like you have such a high amount of debt that nothing that you have would pay for it. So you are forced to become a slave forever, never being able to enter into the land that you want to enter into. But then you have this family member who's rich and he comes and he pays your debt. This is exactly what the shepherd is coming to do. He's coming to pay the debt, and so the gate opens up. You are spiritually bankrupt speaking, and the shepherd comes and pays your way in. Now, who did it? Well, it's the one who walked in the cool of the garden with Adam and Eve. It's the friend of humanity, the son of God, the wrestling shepherd of Eden came to pay for it. But he, he, see, he didn't just come to get you in. He come, came to pay your way in. All right, so you're in. Goal one, we're back. We found Eden. Now we can get back to the original calling of humanity and save this world from sinking into the hell abyss that it is seeking into. So we start bringing Eden on the earth. So how do we do that? Well, you've got to understand the pattern of the kingdom. And, uh, you know, it's almost comical and purposefully opposite of the patterns of this world. So what are the patterns of Eden? Well, it seems like there's a full frontal attack on the norms of the way that this world are. It's like, hey, we decide that this is how this should go and God's like, nope, exact, actually it's the exact opposite of what you were thinking. In other words, we think we're looking for who would be the best person to bring us back to Eden. And God says, whoever you're looking for, look for the opposite. Find the biggest person that looks like the biggest loser, and that's the one that I'm going to use to bring humanity back to Eden. It's exactly what Jacob does with these two little, his two little grandsons. Now, this is probably why this is his greatest act of faith. Because in this culture, the job is of the firstborn son to be the one who would carry the mantle and carry the responsibility of caring for the rest of the family. So it's supposed to be the firstborn son. That's why there's this weird part where he's crossing his hands over and putting his head on the younger son. And you're like, what's going on? Well, this is what's going on. Jacob understands now finally how grace works. And he finally understands the pattern of, the, of, of Eden, of the Bible. Of how, it's, it's so alarming all throughout the Bible that it seems like God is being rebellious to any way that humanity picks like this is what we should do God's like no we're going to do the exact opposite of that but it's not that it's not that God is being rebellious from us here's what it is he's just acting like a shepherd now you have to think about this think he goes out to save the one sheep the one sheep right we see we hear the story of the one in the 99 now it's just one sheep but he's going out to save the sheep. Now what's what's the deal with the sheep? Well, maybe he's an outsider. Maybe somebody doesn't like his little sheep fur or whatever it's called. Maybe he maybe he's just like a rebel. Maybe he's a misfit. Maybe he's a scoundrel. But whatever has happened, the sheep has decided that he's going to go. So he leaves. And then something happens to this lost sheep. He gets chased down by the shepherd. And the shepherd wrestles him to the ground and now look at what's happening he's having an intimate encounter with the good shepherd the good shepherd of eden and i'm going to tell you something something that everybody who has become a christian has discovered when you wrestle with the good shepherd of eden you're changed what's changed you well you've discovered his grace You've discovered that he will chase down the one scoundrel, the one reckless, the one misfit, the one who doesn't have his life together, the one weakling, the one underdog, and he will chase that one down. And then by that encounter with that one, that one takes on the strength of that good shepherd, and now that one is able to do things that that one never thought he or she would be able to do. That's what grace will do to you. You have to understand that the pattern of the kingdom of God is opposite and upside down from the way this world operates. So if you want to bring Eden into the world, don't try to get power, take, give power away. If you want to bring in Eden into the world, don't look for the person who looks like the strongest who's going to be able to bring Eden into the world, look for the weakest because that weak one has encountered the shepherd in a way that the strong have not and then that weak One has taken on the power of the Good Shepherd and now is strong. If you want to bring Eden into the world, don't look around at people and say, who could help me get what I want? Say, how could I help others get what they want? If you want to bring Eden into the world, don't be first, be last. Turns out Ricky Bobby was wrong. Because look, the line might be a little different. And maybe we might be seeing the line a little different. And maybe actually it's flipped. And so by being last, you're actually first. When the world says, use your money to build your kingdom, use your money to build God's kingdom. When the world says, there's the strong one, say, no, there's the weak one. And that weak one knows the strength of the shepherd. And then when, you know, when you meet these misfits and these scoundrels and these sinners and these rebels, be fruitful, and multiply and fill the earth. Now, what does that mean? Well, when Jesus comes on the scene, he's meeting with his disciples, and he commissions them. But he's recommissioning the purpose for which humanity was made for in the beginning. He's a, he, says, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and then teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Now, what is that? Well, make disciples. That means multiply. Teach them to obey. Obey what? The principles of Eden. What's he doing? He's commissioning his disciples to go out and find the scoundrels, find the misfits, and tell them about the shepherd king of Eden who wrestles them to the ground. And then by wrestling them to the ground, they are changed. And then there's this bigger group of people who have now been changed. And what are they doing? Well, they're obeying the king of Eden and the shepherd of Eden. So what are they doing? Well, they're following the rules of Eden. Well, guess what starts happening? Eden starts to come bit by bit More by more. And it's not easy and it's a struggle, but the good shepherd is with us. Now, yes, be fruitful and multiply does mean have more kids. But look, it means something else. It means what Jesus said. In fact, Jesus gives it its true meaning. Bring people back to Eden. First, for us. In other words... You can be a father or a mother even if you can't have kids. Even if you're never married. That's how Paul sees himself, the Apostle Paul. He goes out and he finds the lost sheep. And he brings them home and he calls himself a father to them. So how do you do that? Like how do you go do that? Well, stop looking for the strong people. Look for the people who've been emptied. Look for the people who are hopeless. Look for the people who feel like they have nothing. Look for people who are at their wit's end. Those are the people that are ready to meet the shepherd. And so all, it's like all you got to do is whisper his name. And as soon as you whisper his name, he comes running up behind him, tackles them to the ground, puts their hip out of his joint so they can never run away from him again, and he carries them into Eden. That's what the world needs. You know, okay, the political season is here and it's hot. What do we need? We need the Wrestling Shepherd of Eden. After the political season is over, what do we need? We need the Wrestling Shepherd of Eden. What do we need a year from now? The Wrestling Shepherd of Eden. When you face difficulties, what do you need? You need the Wrestling Shepherd of Eden. That's what our world needs. If you want to reach your two goals in life, find Eden and bring Eden into the world, you need the Wrestling Shepherd, and you've got to go to him. Now, let's ask this question. That's your goal. What's his? Well, I'm going to tell you. In John 10, Jesus is called the good shepherd. He's the shepherd who's left his home and gone out on a voyage as the wrestling shepherd of Eden to come and wrestle all the lost sheep to the ground and then bring them back home. And here's what he does. Here's what he does. He's, He's kind of prowling a little bit. And he's waiting for just the right moment. When all your pride is gone, when you are emptied, and when you are hopeless, he unmasks himself and shows who he really is. And it's there that you realize, oh, he's not just a good teacher. He's not just a wise man. He is the shepherd from Eden who has come to wrestle me and take me down, but then pick me up and take me home. And it's at the moment when you are at your weakest that he comes and finds you. See, you're a sheep without a shepherd, but now you have one. And it's not just any kind of shepherd. It's the kind of shepherd that faces the lion of death and wins for you. It's the kind of shepherd who pays your debts at the gates of Eden and his eyes shut into death so that the gates of Eden can be opened so you walk in. And he came in a way that you didn't think he would come. Instead of in power, he came in weakness, though he had all the power of the cosmos. Instead of as a king, he came as a carpenter. Instead of riding on a war horse, he came on a donkey for peace. Instead of coming to be served, he came to serve you and give his life as a ransom for many. Instead of coming to celebrate winners, he becomes a loser in order to make losers winners. In order to, instead of a golden crown, he has a, he has a crown of thorns. And instead of a castle, he got a cross. And instead of life, he got death. So that the gates of Eden could be opened up to you. And you might have life as you've longed for it to always be. What must you do now? After you enter into the gates of Eden? Well, I told it to you in the beginning. As soon as you get in, he says, come on, let's get back out. Like, oh, I just got here. Nope, come on, we've got work to do. Let's get out. And go find the lost sheep who've lost Eden and let's go find them and bring them back. And there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be struggles and there's going to be heartache along the way as you are seeking justice and love and mercy and wisdom. There's going to be so much struggle and suffering along the way, but he's with you. And there's going to be problems, but he's with you. And your heart's going to be broken over and over and over again. But he's there to heal your heart over and over and over again. Sure, it's a lot easier to just stay. But that's not what you're made for. The original purpose, your original end, your original telos, your original goal is to bring Eden out into the world. So why do we do it? Well, because he's come for us. And because it's the way you're wired, just live into it. Go live into the adventure and stop being so boring and just go live into the adventure that God has created for you. It's difficult, but he's with you. Some of you are so stressed out that I said that, and some of you are excited. You guys get together, and the excited people can pull the stressful people out. All right? All right, I'm praying for us. God, make us into these people. Help us understand the story that we are in. It's not a story that ends in death. It's not a story where our world descends into the abyss of hell, but it's a story where you bring about a new heavens and a new earth. And until then, we fight with all of our might to bring Eden back. Glimmers. And we, God, we pray that you would give us a burden and a passion to chase down all the scoundrels, all the misfits who are just like us and introduce them to the wrestling shepherd of Eden. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: song is when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. It gets me every time I hear it. I've heard this song lots of times. I've sung this song lots of times. And every time I get to that part, I have to fight through the the emotions of, of the realization that even though God's got me now, there's still days when I feel like his foe. I want to work against him. And when Pastor Dave was was preaching today about how God's a shepherd, isn't that such a perfect picture? Because when I've seen shepherds or when I think of a shepherd, it's constant adjustments, it's constant leading, it's constant, hey, come back here. Don't jump off that ledge, you'll die. Let me go get you, you're stuck in the briars. And The shepherd values his sheep so much that, like you said, he leaves the herd to go after the one. What's cool about God is he's the type of shepherd that invites the sheep into the work. So when we heard about the the two goals, find Eden, and then go tell people about it and try to get them to come back with you, we get to be a part of that. We get to be part of God's body going after the one and isn't that beautiful isn't that something that we can aspire to, to share with people especially in today's climate politically socially economically and people feel like they're on an island of misfits people feel alone even though we're the most connected we've ever been So what would happen if the church stepped up and chased people down like the good shepherd and said, doesn't matter if you're a misfit, come with me. Let me show you the shepherd that loves you right where you are and loves you enough to take you where he wants you. Let me show you Eden, come with me. So as we pray today, think of ways you could chase down that one. Maybe you are the one. It could be that you're you're sitting here right now saying, "Man, hey man, I'm the one. I'm I i do not need to be doing the chasing. I need to be chased." Well, let God find you. So as we pray, think of maybe who. Think of how. Think of in your everyday Monday through Saturday lives, what it means to be a part of God's body that goes after the one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that you're so good that you chased down your foes to make them your family. Lord, and you you sent Jesus to be the ultimate example and power to do that for us as, as your 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 image bearers, as the ones that you crowned creation with. Lord Christ taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to seek Eden in that way in everything we do. Help us to paint pictures of the beauty of your kingdom with our lives through our jobs, our our hobbies, our families, the way we rest, the way we work. So that when people are around us, they can't help but notice. Help us to use the the reality that we're all misfits to argue against the, the schemes of the adversary that says, you're not good enough. And say, yeah, you're right, none of us are good enough. But God still uses us to chase down the one. Lord, we thank you that you're the good shepherd. We thank you that you include us in that shepherding. we thank you for the lengths that you have gone through Jesus to make us yours. Help us to remember that in unique ways all throughout our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Before we go, I have a challenge for you. And it's it's likely that you're not going to do it. But I'm going to give you the challenge anyways, because maybe one of you or two of you will do it. Um, We have this word and prayer challenge that we're doing where we want to call people to read the Bible and pray every day. Um, Keep doing that. But I want to ask you to just try being really, really stubborn. And just open up the Bible. And don't put it down until you feel like you have finally gotten to the place where you have gone... Further with God, or you have experienced His presence. So open the Bible, be in word and prayer, and just be in it. Like go to the Psalms, just go to the Psalms, and just start reading, and just keep reading until you've experienced the presence of God. Just be stubborn about it. Like God, I'm not going anywhere until you. I mean, maybe God's going to see how stubborn you are. I don't know. Maybe you'll be reading into three in the morning. I don't know, but do it anyways. Like just, just try it. Um, so that's the challenge. Most of you won't do it, but maybe a few of you will. Um, but I hope you all do it. So. All right, so that's our announcement. That's it, just one challenge. Go read. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to do it, and you're going to read, and you're going to be like, oh, look, it's happening. Like, I'm being brought further into Eden. What am I supposed to do here now, God? Well, he says, now go back out. Go back. Uh, go build my kingdom. All right, uh, so, um, yeah. Make sure to connect with people. Uh, hi, online sh- live streamers. We love you guys. We miss you. Um, connect with connect with people on the live stream if you haven't been. Um, if you'd like to give, there's buckets that you can give on the way out, or you can give online. I think it's info on the screen. And uh, yeah, let's just go, and let's go seeking God, and by doing that, we venture into Eden, and then let's go and build Eden on the earth, okay? Deal? That's the job of the church. All right. Bye.